Christian within the Christian walk is getting out of the boat, stepping out, launching out, reaching out, engaging people around you who need to hear about Jesus. See, as, as we talked about at the beginning of the year, that God has created every person to be a conduit of his blessing. We are to be conduits of the grace of God, the life of God, the blessing of God. And so we're not just to be intakers and receivers of blessing and life and truth and grace. But we are to be conduits. Like the, the, the Dead Sea is, is, a, is an analogy of, uh, of a body of water that has intake flowing into it. Okay, life can flow into it, but everything that goes into it dies because there's no outflow. Okay, things become stagnant. There needs to be an outflow. And God's designed us like that. He's designed us not to just receive, 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 receive. He's designed us to be like him and to give and to give, to give life, to let life flow through us and bless other people and make an impact in our world. God has designed us for this. And if we're not doing this. We grow stagnant and stale and this, this boredom begins to sink in and we begin to have thoughts like there must be more to this Christian life than just going to church or going to a concert, having my, my quiet time with the Lord in the morning. There must be more than just this. Visiting with Jesus in the morning or on Sundays or Wednesdays, there must be more. And there is There is so much more, and it's my desire this morning, is that God move us into what he has for us, and that we begin to experience the adrenaline rush of fishing, of catching fish, of reaching people. Now, if any of you have gone fishing before, how many of y'all ever gone fishing before? Okay. Uh, How many of y'all had a, a very, a great experience? Raise your hand. How many of y'all are like, I'm, I'm not going fishing again because it was not fun. It was uncomfortable. I didn't catch anything. And it just, I feel like it was a waste of time. Okay? If you're going to fish, you got to be patient. All right? And you, you got you to gotta get things set up. You know, I, I've taken my son fishing a few times. And, and in fishing, we've, well, he has tangled up. His line and, you know, it's like it becomes so cumbersome and he's like hooking stuff and he's just, you know, just kind of going crazy as a five or five year old boy will with a with a little fishing line. Pulling up seaweed and sticks and, you know, and and so it becomes kind of unpleasant to fish. But it takes patience. It takes patience. But I tell you what, when when you're fishing and you've patiently waited for a fish to bite and you get a fish on the line. It is exciting, especially if it's a big fish. And you're pulling and you're, you're, you're trying to get that fish in and you get that fish out. And then you get your picture and you post it on Instagram. And it's worth it because I caught a fish. I got a picture with my son. We did it. It was worth it. There is this joy and excitement that comes, this satisfaction that comes in, in, in catching fish. I mean, that's been my experience. And actually, I've had more experiences where I didn't catch anything. <laughs> But I've gone out anyways, you know, and just tried to make the most of just a nice quiet time out on the lake. Peter and the disciples had one of those times that where they fished all night. That was their occupation. They were fishermen. They fished all night, and they didn't catch anything. Now, that is frustrating. 
if you if you have a job and you're trying to be productive and you're trying to make a living and you're trying to take care of your family and you work hard a full day, full eight hours or however long a full days of work and you ca- and you catch nothing, there's nothing to show for a full days of work. You're going to be frustrated, right? You're going to feel like there there must be more to this. So let's go ahead and look at uh, the story here where Peter encounters Jesus and Jesus changes everything in his life. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Here's the big idea. This is where we're going this morning, that Jesus calls his followers to obedience, abandon, and mission. And the results of heeding that call are amazing. Jesus calls his followers to obedience, abandon, and mission. And the results of heeding that call are amazing. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. I love this. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and the nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners into the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boat so that they began to sink. And when Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus's, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were, were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who's, uh, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to, to the land, to land, they left everything and followed him. What a beautiful encounter that the disciples had here with Jesus. So these guys were fishermen. Jesus gets into their boat. Peter lets them use his business to, to preach the word. So they didn't catch anything all night. Jesus lets them get into his boat. People were pressing in to hear the word of God. And Jesus was speaking the word of God. There was a hunger and a desire within these people to hear what God had to say. Jesus was proclaiming that message. And Peter probably being up all night, I mean, I wonder if he was like nodding off. You know, if he was getting a little sleepy there. And and all of a sudden, Jesus calls him out and says, hey, Peter, cast your nets out into the deep. And, and Peter objects, you know, he kind of reasons a little bit. Master, we, we've toiled all night and took nothing. I mean, just think about what was going through Peter's mind at this time. This is a, an experienced fisherman. This is what he does for a living. And then here's this well-intended rabbi, carpenter, who's going to tell him how to run his business and tell him how to catch some fish. It didn't make sense. I'm sure it didn't make sense. And his response is beautiful, but at your word, I will let down your nets. And the results, when they, when they did that, when he obeyed the word, 
he caught a great number of fish. So here's, here's the first thing I want to point out to us this morning is that Jesus calls his followers to obey his word even when it doesn't make sense. Even when rationally we don't understand, how's that going to work? How, how is anything good going to happen? It, this just seems vain. Why should I do this? And Peter obeys. Jesus has the authority. Peter calls him master here, which could also equal rabbi in, in the other gospels. Luke uses this term, master. And then he calls him Lord later on. And so Peter's responding to the authority of Jesus. He didn't, he didn't rise up and say, no, man, I'm, this is my boat. You ain't going to tell me what to do. He, he responded to the authority of Jesus, and, and the Lord showed up. Jesus knew that there were fish to catch. And Jesus, is, he's, this is the same one who would later on speak to the winds and the waves and calm the winds and the waves. This is the same one who is sovereign over all of creation. This is the creator standing before Peter. And so Peter responds, and there was great fruitfulness that took place in response to that. You know, I think this is a word for us as a church, to cast our nets into the deep, to, to reach out. Some of us may feel like Peter, like we've, we've done some stuff, we've reached out, uh, and it didn't seem like it was effective. We've gone fishing, we didn't catch any fish. But there's this point where, where the Lord tells his disciples, cast it out into the deep, go, just go. And one of the words that God's brought me back to over and over recently is Second Timothy, where Paul tells Timothy, the young, young pastor, he says, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. I know that that is a word for me. And, 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 and it's another way of Jesus saying, cast your net out into the deep. Don't give up. Don't give up. Cast your net out into the deep, and I'm going to obey the voice of Jesus. And so I know that doing the work of evangelist involves me getting out there and talking about Jesus to people, but it doesn't just involve that. The work of an evangelist is also to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The work of the evangelist is to equip and encourage and mobilize the saints to do the work of, of an evangelist, to evangelize. You know, isn't that awesome that, that in Christianity that, that ministry isn't just for the pastors and the, the, spiritual, uh, the spiritual special forces. It's for every saint. Every saint has the Holy Spirit living inside them. Every saint has the gospel message to share with others. And every saint, God, God brings divine appointments our way so that we can share with others. So it's not just left on one person. It's for every single person. And following Jesus involves us becoming fishers of men. Every one of us. And following Jesus involves us, involves us being on mission for him. Listen what Jesus says to, to Simon Peter. He says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, he says, follow me. I love this. Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Following Jesus involves being on mission with him because he's on mission. He came to seek and save that which is lost. That's what he's about. 
And if you want to be where the Lord is at and where he's at work, then you got to go with him. Because he's working not just in here in the church, but he's working out there. Many of the miracles done in the book of Acts were outside of the church meetings. Okay, they were out in the public. And so that's where we need to go. We need to engage people in the workplaces, in the, at the parks, at the stores, at the gas stations. Engage people. The hospitals. <laughs> that's right. Amen. Larry, I'm so glad to have you out of the hospital, brother. I'm glad you're here. Amen. Feels good, doesn't it? And there are, there, I'm glad you bring that up. Because there are so many people who can't get out of their house. Who for either physical reasons or emotional reasons, they are just depressed, down, physically unable to get out. And they would just long for somebody who loves Jesus to come knocking on their door. They, would, they long for somebody who really cares to show up at their door with, with the joy of Jesus Christ sparkling in their eyes and, and radiant on their face. And just pray with them and talk with them. But there are people behind those doors who want to engage and talk with folks. There was, a, there was a man yesterday, I knocked on his door, who his wife passed away of cancer nine years ago. And he just, he opened up and shared with me how he's been, he was bitter towards God. But now he's starting to kind of open up. And I told him about, I just got done preaching on Ruth the last couple of weeks and I told him a little bit about Ruth and he said he was going to go check that out and I hope that God gives him hope and encouragement from that beautiful story of redemption where God took bitter difficult circumstances in two ladies lives and made something sweet brought about sweet redemption uh the Saturday before last I was I was out knocking on doors inviting folks to to city church and there was one lady who said she, she, she took the card and she said, I've been waiting for somebody to invite me. And I thought, how many more people are, she said, I've been waiting for somebody to invite me to church. She has five kids. But how many more people are just waiting for somebody to invite them? You know, there's, but there's so many people like that that are just, they're waiting for an invitation. They're waiting for somebody to share hope with them, to share a message. And God has called us to be on mission with him. And to go out and, and engage those people. There's some hindrances, though, that keep us back from doing this. And I'm sure we could all come up. I mean, just as I even bring that up, what, what keeps you from sharing your faith with other people? Just think about it. I mean, if you, if you want to shout it out, go ahead. What keeps you from sharing your faith with other people? Too busy. Busyness. Courage. Okay. Were you looking at my next slide there, Larry? Black <laughs> Kurt, anybody else? Vision. Yeah, maybe you just like how you don't have vision for or value for you, Andrew and Amanda are amazing examples of of reaching out even with kids and family and all that they have going up busyness yet in the busyness reaching out they were you know over spring break they were invited neighbors and coworkers over and were just reaching out to them engaging them to share the gospel. Andrew, did you have something? Fear of rejection, awkwardness. That's good. Yeah, nobody wants that that awkward moment in the in the relationship. Jesus had those awkward moments. The woman at the well. I mean, one, he was a Jewish rabbi talking with a Samaritan woman. That's awkward. And culturally, that was awkward for him to be. Even his disciples were like, "Hey, 
you know, what's going on, Jesus? You know, they, there was this awkward moment, but he was engaging the Samaritan woman to impact her life. There's, there's awkward moments in evangelism. We will, we will definitely face those. There's many other reasons. One of the top reasons here is, is fear. Fear is, is probably, like, biggest thing. People, people are just afraid, afraid of rejection, afraid of the awkwardness, afraid of saying the wrong thing. Like, what if I lead somebody astray and they, they go to hell because I tell them the wrong verse, you know, or whatever, <laughs> you know? Uh, there, there's, there's, all, there's all kinds of irrational fears going on. And Jesus, this is one of the, the, the commands that are given over and over in the Bible. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, Peter, Peter must have had some fear in this moment. This was a holy moment for him. He's standing in the presence of a holy Lord and Savior. This guy, Jesus, is, is somebody greater than just a, a, a rabbi, just a teacher. Peter, he's probably thinking, I've never seen anything like this on the lake before. The timing of the catch, okay? It was, it was during the day, you know. Fishermen, they fish at night or early in the morning or in the, in the evening. And it's daytime, and Jesus says, hey, cast your nets over there. And then the, not only the timing, but the amount of fish that were brought in. You know, so much so that the nets began to break and they couldn't contain how many fish were coming in. So facing your fear. So that is a, that's a hindrance that we all face. Uh, another one here is, is kind of that sense of unworthiness. Like I'm, un, I'm un, inadequate. Maybe you don't feel equipped or unworthy. Or I'm not holy enough to, to share my faith. Peter tells Jesus, he says, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. So he's convicted. I mean, I just kind of think what was going on here? You know, he had a rough day at work. You know, was he, was he cussing? You know, was he like, man, you know, was he, was he upset or or unkind with the guys or, or what was it? What was the guilt that he was feeling in the presence of Jesus? Whatever it was, he was in the presence of holiness and he was convicted that he was sinful and he didn't feel worthy. And I love this, that, that Jesus, Jesus didn't cast him away in that moment. Jesus blessed him. It, though he was a sinner and though he was frail, broken, and, and had all his flaws, he was rough. Uh, Jesus didn't cast him away. He blessed him. He blessed his business. And, and uh, Daryl Box says this about, about Peter. When Peter, what Peter does not realize is that he's is that admitting one's inability and sin is the best prerequisite for service. Since then, one can depend on God. Peter's confession becomes his resume for service. Humility is the elevator to spiritual greatness. Peter has the three necessary qualities Jesus is looking for. He's willing to go where Jesus leads. He's humble, and he's fully committed. So Peter encounters Jesus. He's convicted. He doesn't feel worthy, and yet Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be catching men. I have purpose for you. There, there is something greater than, than just this business that you have going on here. And, and God's not against business and, and having a kingdom business. I mean, I, I can think of all kinds of cool ideas Peter could have did with his business. He could have made disciples at his business, you know, and uh, all kinds of cool names that he could have called the fishing business. And, you know, he could have... He could have had this whole big thing going on, but Jesus was calling Peter to something even greater than just 
having a business and just having a family and just living life, Peter was, Jesus was calling Peter to be a fisher of men. And sure, he felt unworthy to that. But his humility and his willingness to go and his commitment were all things that qualified him to follow Jesus. He was, he, 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 all he brought was his weakness and his availability. I'm here. And the Lord used that. Jesus' call demands complete abandon. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything. Again, so they, they had this amazing catch, and they're overwhelmed by the catch. And, and, and by the way, they signaled their partners. I love this. They signaled to their partners. They couldn't even contain the catch of fish that, that the Lord had given them. And so they asked for help. And as I look at this, I'm reminded of what, what we're going to be doing with Time to Revive and the other 300-plus churches where we're going to unite together to bring in a great catch. That together as the church in DFW, we're going to cast out our nets into the deep for 50 days and expect God to bring in a huge catch that, that our little church couldn't handle by ourselves. That, that even one big church in the DFW couldn't area couldn't handle by by themselves that this is going to be a a combined joined effort this is the heart of god the unity of the church working together for the sake of the gospel and when we make ourselves available to him i think we are going to be surprised how god uses us we are going to be surprised i think peter and, and the disciples were surprised about the big catch they obeyed they they did what they did and they obeyed and god brought a big catch. They left everything and followed Jesus. They saw that there is something greater to live for. They saw that Jesus was worth it. And so they left everything to follow him. In the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, where we see the probably the greatest catch in, in the New Testament. In one single day, 3,000 people come to Christ. The Holy Spirit falls on the church And in one day, 3,000 Jewish people hear the gospel message from Peter's lips, and they come to Christ. One day. This is fulfillment of what Jesus said would happen to Peter. Follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. Don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to catch men. And by the way, one of the ways this analogy breaks down is we catch fish to kill them and eat them. All right? When we're talking about catching men, we're not talking about for death. We're talking about for life, for their good, for the glory of God. And we're not talking about for our glory and look at us, look how, how, look at how many fish I've caught, you know, so we can boast about it. It's for their good and for the glory of God. Jesus said, I have, um, you didn't choose me, but I chose you that you should go and bear fruit that your fruit should remain. So the Lord has called us to be fruitful. He's called us to make, make an impact. He's called, called us to make a difference in this world. And it demands our abandon and our availability to him. I Over the years, I've been amazed over and over how when I have just given my time, my schedule, myself to the Lord, how God will use me uh, out on the streets and engaging with people one time I was on my way to my brother's football game, and I stopped and talked to a couple of guys, and, and I gave them a track and told them about the Lord and just moved on and went to my brother's football game. And a couple hours or an hour later, whenever, uh, I, get, I put my number on that track, and I get a call from these guys, and 
the football game is towards the end of the game, and they are uh, my brother's team is either losing or they're in half or they're in overtime. I get this call, and one of the guys says, "Thank you so much for stopping and talking to me. We were about to do something really stupid in." You know, I forgot exactly what they said, but they were about to kick in a, a drug dealer's door and try to rob rob a drug dealer, and they could have been killed. And they and they sounded broken. I mean, he sounded like he he was really like there was some there was a change of mind about what he's about to do, and he took it as a sign from God. And he responded, he responded to that. And right at that time, I I saw my brother's football team like while I'm on the phone with this guy run a touchdown from one end of the stadium to the other end of the stadium crowd is cheering and just going you know like like they do at a football game and i'm just reminded of how when one sinner repents there is more rejoicing over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous there there's 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 a party that goes on in heaven we want to make heaven rejoice by leading people to Christ, by telling people about Jesus, you know, when we make ourselves available to him, he's going to use us. He's going to fill us. He's going to use us. I mean, has anybody ever been on a mission trip and you've been just amazed how God used you on a mission trip, like just a short-term mission trip? Or I think one of the reasons why God uses us on those mission trips and we go on those short-term mission trips is because we go and we clear our schedule and we're, we're saying, all right, God, we're, we're here for you. And God takes you up on the offer. He takes you up on the offer. Imagine if we lived each day like that. We probably wouldn't get a lot done, a lot of other stuff. But I think there's a way for us to get what we need to get done and still make our schedules available to the Lord. I think there's a way to still be a faithful husband and a faithful dad or a faithful mom, a faithful wife, a faithful worker on your job, yet still be a fisher of men, yet still live on mission. There's a way to do it. There is. We, we can do this. And so I think it, it, it boils down to us obeying the voice of the Lord. When Jesus has cast out the net, cast out the net. If, he, if we see somebody... As we're walking down the road or we're at the store, we're at um, the gas station, we're, we're at a soccer game and we see somebody and we, we sense God wanting us to talk to them, then we just obey. We just obey. And we will be surprised how God uses us when we do that. I remember uh, we were knocking on doors just right around the corner from here and there was a guy who, who was struggling with addiction and he was... In his apartment, young African-American man, and he was struggling with his addiction. He was just praying that God would help him to overcome the urge to, to use. And then I show up to talk about Jesus and pray with them and just got to share with them. And it was it was a divine appointment, you know, and there's been there's been so many divine appointments. I, I started to make a list of divine appointments that I've had through throughout my walk. And I, I think I just need to. Write a write a book of all the divine appointments that God has given me, just where you know God was working in somebody's life, and I show up and just share a simple message with with folks. And you know what? God wants to do that through your life. There are people around you that God wants you to reach out and speak to. But it may be fear, it may be insecurity, it may be busyness, it may be lack of vision. 
uh, lack of value for evangelism, but I think we will be pleasantly surprised if we step out and we make ourselves available to the Lord. Jesus' call demands this. He demands that we abandon ourselves to him, that we, we leave everything and follow him. This is explicit in other places in the gospel. Here, it just the way Luke says it here is they just did it. They just did it. They saw the catch, and they're like, we're, we're with you, Jesus. You know, And, like, it doesn't make sense at this time to leave their business, okay? They just had the greatest business success that they probably ever had, and then they're leaving their business. That doesn't make sense. Why are you doing that? Because they, they saw something greater to live for. Now, I'm not telling everybody here to leave your jobs, okay? Okay, I want to make that clear. Uh, but I think I, I am challenging us to be on mission with God. I think, I think we can do that with the jobs that we have. I think we can do that with the schedules that we have. Actually, we may have to readjust our schedules. I think we can do that with the family that we have. I think we can do that with the time that we have. We all have 24 hours in a day. And it's, it's, it's up to us how we're going to use those 24 hours in the day. So here's, here's three applications here from, for what we're talking about. Obey the voice of the Lord when he tells you to reach out and don't lean on your own understanding. So just, just do it. If, you're, if you feel an urge to tell somebody about the Lord, invite somebody to church, just do it. Be willing to, to look like a fool. Okay? I mean, I just got to say, there's been so many times that I just have, Felt like a fool talking to somebody and said the wrong thing, you know, like like the guy who asked the lady, how how far along is she? How far along are you? And she's not even pregnant. I'm sure I've done that once or twice, but not on evangelism as far as I know. Don't do that on evangelism. But there's been many moments where I, you know, just said the wrong thing at the wrong time and just felt like a fool. But I was willing, like Peter, to step out of the boat, to throw my nets out. And God has used it. You know, and God will use you in your weakness. I mean, nobody's perfect at this. Nobody. I don't know anybody who's perfect at reaching people and reaching out to people and like the perfect evangelist. I mean, it's it's just it gets messy. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. There's never a convenient moment to evangelize, by the way. There's never a convenient moment to evangelize. All right. There's always, you know, it's time to go get lunch. It's time for dinner. Time for breakfast. Kids are tired. Uh, there's there's a soccer game to go to. There's this or that. You know, we're, uh, there's a birthday party to go to. I mean, there's always something going on where it makes it inconvenient, inconvenient for us to evangelize. And if we wait for convenience to evangelize, we're never going to evangelize. If Jesus did that, he he would have never evangelized. So we gotta we gotta graft it into our lifestyle. We gotta we gotta do it as we go tell people about the Lord. And one of the ways I do this is I just ask questions. I start with the question or I start with the invitation. Hey, did you get one of these, ma'am? Did you get one of these? And give an invitation and then maybe ask them about their spiritual journey, their religious background, and just see where somebody's at. And then you'll see if you got an open door there or not. You know, and, and you'll, you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed how people will open up and share with you that you just meet on the spot and they're telling you about their, their spouse that died and their, their struggle with their faith in God because of that. Or, or, or many times they'll break down in tears right before your eyes just because 
they haven't talked about God. And, and then all of a sudden there's somebody here. It's like Jesus through you and I shows up and, and meets them right where they're at. And so I think we will be pleasantly surprised if we obey the voice of the Lord to cast out our nets into the deep, to reach out to those around us. God will bring divine appointments our way. Uh, next thing is make yourself available to the Lord. Surrender your time, your schedule, your calendar, your family, your finances, your hobbies, and your work to him and watch how he works through your life. I mean, this was this is what the early church did. See, the kingdom of God became their priority. They, they gave themselves to prayer. They gave themselves to the kingdom of God. And, and God worked through them. They had to readjust their schedules to see what they saw in, in their day. And I know each of us long for a move of God in our day. We long for it. We've prayed for it. We've asked God, would you do what you did back in the book of Acts? Like, we want to see that, but are we willing to do what they were doing when they were living in that day? They devoted themselves to prayer, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, to the ministry of the word. They were devoted. And so lastly, I want to just leave you again with the Easter challenge. How many of y'all remember the John the Baptist challenge a few years ago? I'm not going to do the John the Baptist challenge, even though I've seen plenty of grasshopper, big grasshopper flying around. I thought we need to rekindle that John the Baptist challenge, Kindle. Still waiting for my wife to join in on that one. So pray about and think about 25 people that you can invite to attend the Easter service. Um, let's, let's ride the momentum of, of Easter and invite folks. By the way, uh, the weather's really nice right now, and it's nice to be outside. Okay, you can go on your street and invite 25 folks on your street with your children, even those with little children. You can push, push your stroller around, knock on the door. You can have your, if you don't want to get rejected and have a neighbor turn you away, send your kid up with a gospel track with the invitation. They won't reject your kid. They're like, oh, she's so cute. He's so cute. They'll take it. Utilize that momentum. Use the leverage of the cuteness of your children to win people for Jesus. Amen. I do that with my my kiddos. You know, I'll put a track in my son's hand and say, Carson, I want you to find one person to give this to. Uh, and it's just fun. He he enjoys it. He likes he likes doing it. It's it's fun. Include your family in this. I mean, this don't you want your kids to learn how to do this? Don't you want to? Don't you want to lead and be an example for them and see that mom and dad really love Jesus enough and believe in this Jesus stuff enough to tell other people about them? All right. So you want to be an example, and then you want to give opportunities for your kids to invite to to tell others about the Lord. Um, and if anybody has any creative ideas of what we can do for for outreach stuff, please send them my way. I'd love. I want to try some different stuff in in reaching this neighborhood. I want to try. To engage this neighborhood. Another way uh, you can do this, by the way, and this is this doesn't count for your 25 people, but you can simply post on your on your Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, whatever social media you got. You can you can take the Easter invitation and post it and invite all your friends like that. So if you got 900 friends on Facebook, you can invite 900 people just like that. But that doesn't count, okay? These have to be personal invitations with this challenge, all right? Uh, you could 
grab the invitation that I posted on the City Church Facebook and, and, and send it out. And in praying, just asking God, what might he have us do? Who might he have us reach? Uh, and let's pray. If, some, if God brings somebody to your mind, let's pray for them. Uh, if you've got a fam, family member, a co-worker, a neighbor, and, and grab some of those Easter invitations, invite them. And, and when you do so, aim to share the gospel with them, too. You know, uh, they might not come. And if they don't come, you could still share the gospel. You can bring the gospel to them. I mean, we can, we can invite them and say, hey, come and meet Jesus. But we can also introduce them to Jesus right at their doorstep. Amen. And so, church, you have what it takes to do this. Amen. This isn't just my thing. This is, this is a Jesus thing. And this is the church thing. This is what we're, we're here for. And I think if we had... You know, if we had a short time to live, I think we would be about this. Like if we knew well, I got one week to live, we, we would all of a sudden step up our evangelistic efforts, right? We'd be telling friends, family. We'd be posting stuff on, on, uh, on our social media. We'd, we'd go all out. What if we lived every day with that sense of urgency that, that, that Christ is coming back, that people are going to die and stand before God and spend eternity either with Him or without Him, and we get a part in, a, in, in, in affecting how that happens for people or what happens. God has chosen to use us in this process. I mean, Jesus could have commanded all the fish to just jump into the boat. He didn't do it. He didn't do that. Instead, He says, Peter, cast your net out into the to the deep. Jesus can just save people and he can just make them show up in churches and just get saved like that. But you know what? He's chosen to involve you and I to use us as messengers, as ministers of reconciliation. And he delights in doing that. Brendan, I believe God's going to use you and your school, man, at, uh, at Long to, to reach young people, to share the gospel with young people. And I believe that he has given you what you need to do that. Amen? So, Lord, I pray that we, as your church, as disciples of yours, would overcome our fears, overcome every obstacle that we face in reaching people. We admit that we are weak. We can't save anybody. We can't produce fruit in and of ourselves. We admit that we've, we've tried and we've failed, but Lord, at your word, when we obey your word, God, you will do it. You will save. You will act. You will do the miraculous. And so we ask for that. We ask that you would work powerfully through us in our frailty, in our weakness. God, let your strength be made perfect. Give us courage. Give us boldness. Give us divine appointments. And I pray that when we gather together next Sunday, that we would have a room full of testimonies ready to share about how you work. I pray that we would... Have, have testimonies every Sunday about how you've been working through your people throughout the week. May we see an increase of your activity in our lives.